Kyle Charter sitting in for Jared. One show only this week. I will be here today. Jared back tomorrow. Let's go straight to the Blue Fox Heating and Cooling Hammerhead Hotline and bring in Rob Blackman, radio voice of the Boilermakers. Uh, Rob, it was a uh, first of all, thanks for coming on the show today. I know uh, I asked you somewhat last minute to join us, so I do appreciate uh, your time. Uh, good week last week. A couple of victories away from Mackey Arena, especially, I think coming back after a loss. I mean, really facing sort of that kind of adversity for the first time this season. You want to see Purdue respond to it, and it certainly did. Yeah, it's interesting. Going into that that little three-game stretch there, Kyle, three games in basically one week, my 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 gut feeling was, you know, if this if this group can go two and one through this stretch, they probably had a pretty good week. Yeah. And exactly, that's exactly what they did. I did not, however, anticipate the one <laughs> being the home game. Right. I, I didn't see that one coming. Uh, but yeah, when you look at it all told, if you're looking at it objectively as possible, I mean, that's not a bad week because uh, that was a tough, tough stretch right there. <laughs> Three games in the course of seven days. Uh, and to win the, you know, and to come back, lose the first one and then have the, uh, the wherewithal to come back and win those next two, which certainly neither of those two were easy. I mean, at Ohio State, uh, nothing was going right for Purdue. I think they started 0 for 7 and uh, from 3 and like 3 for 16 from the floor. I mean, they could not have had a worse start. Uh, Fletcher Lawyer, I think, was 0 for 6 shooting and had four turnovers in the first half. I mean, he was just he would just played an awful first half. Uh, and then the, uh, to find a way to come back and win that game, and again with Fletcher Lawyer doing most of the damage in the second half, I think that speaks a lot for him. But then you look at the game against Penn State and really a, a lot the same. Uh, yeah. Now, Purdue, Purdue was a little better offensively in the first half against Penn State. Uh, Penn State also, I think, made a few shots, that, uh, that especially Pickett, that he's probably not going to make on a regular basis. But you're down that game six at halftime and uh, and really dominated the second half. So, yeah, you think about it, you lose at home, you go to Ohio State, you're down at halftime, you're playing just awful offensively, and you're wondering, man, is this thing about to come off the rails? And, and exactly the opposite happened. Purdue really rallied and played well ever since then. So good news for Purdue is uh, it's only one loss. I was just looking at the the updated Big Ten standings earlier today, and I, this, I guess I just hadn't paid close enough attention until early, earlier this afternoon. You, you feel badly losing a home game, but everyone in our league, Kyle, has lost at least one home game, mm-hmm. which to me is a, that's an amazing uh, thing about that. Yeah. Everyone in our league has lost at least one home game. Wow. Now, maybe not necessarily a Big Ten game, but but a home game, uh, which I, I have no idea when the last time that might have happened, uh, where where everyone in the league had already lost at least one home game. We're not even to January the 15th here. So, yeah, you feel badly you've lost a home game, but the good news is misery loves company because looks like everyone else in the Big Ten's having the same problem right now. Yeah, I remember back, Rob, a, a few years ago. I'm not sure when this was. It was probably five or six years ago now. Didn't the home teams in the Big Ten start something like 24-1 or something? I mean, it was just an incredible number. The home team was was winning a lot. Uh, And, yeah, I I don't know what it speaks to. Maybe it speaks to parity. I'm I'm not really sure. But uh, I I did not realize that until you said that, that every home team has lost at least once. I didn't either until I looked at the the just the standings. You know, list. You know, your home victory, your your road victory. Now, the the difference for Purdue, the reason Purdue's in great shape right now. I know we're just over the halfway point of the regular season. The one thing Purdue has going for it, it hasn't lost a road game, and there's only one other team in the league that can say that. 
and Purdue hasn't lost a neutral site game. Purdue's four and zero in neutral site games, yeah. and no one else in the league is even close to that number. Uh, no one else has gone undefeated in neutral site games. So, where Purdue has been able to make up the difference is they're winning the neutral site games, they're winning the road games, uh, which, which for the moment at least has been the separator. Yeah. And I do agree with you. I thought 2-1 and one last week and also thought that that one loss would probably, if it was going to come, be at Ohio State. I, I do like the Buckeyes. It's a good young team, it feels like. But to lose the first one and come back, I mean, it makes it more difficult <laughs> to be 2-1 and one in a week when you start 0-1. Um, but this Purdue team, and, and you're pretty close to them being on the road and, and getting to see them up close. I mean, it seems like a team that uh, that has a little bit different personality in terms of of, of being able to uh, put those things behind it a little bit. I mean, maybe you can describe it better to me. Is there a little bit something more to this team in terms of being able to move on? Uh, I think there is, but unfortunately I can't answer your question well because I can't put my finger on it. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know why it is. Uh, but they do seem to have, maybe it's just their youth. <laughs> Sometimes you're too young to know any better. Yeah. Uh, maybe, they're, maybe they're not supposed to know that you're supposed to start circling the drain after you lose a home game to Rutgers. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there is something about this group that they just have, uh, they have some great fight to them, and, uh, and they have short memories. And, and it all starts, obviously, with, as crazy as it sounds, with the freshman in the backcourt. I mean, yeah. talk about a short – think about Fletcher Lawyer. I just mentioned his first half numbers against Ohio State. Talk about having a short memory. I mean, that guy came out firing in the second half. He did not he, – remember, he did not start the second half. But he came in after David Jenkins Jr. started for him. Uh, he came in in the second half. Uh, and, and the first time he touched it, shot it, and made a three. I mean, so you talk about a short memory. Most freshmen – are not going to be that uh, that brazen after having the terrible first half that he had. Uh, didn't phase him for a second. Uh, shot it, shot it, and ended up having obviously a great second half and obviously hit the game winner. I'm certain probably part of that is just the environment in which he grew up in. I mean, when your dad is spending the majority of his time working for NBA franchises, there's an assistant coach or a scout, and you're around basketball all the time. That's probably all you know. Um, but, yeah, that's just one example of, uh, of guys having short memories and, and not being afraid of the moment. Talking to Rob Blackman, the radio voice of the Boilermakers on the Blue Fox Heating and Cooling Hammerhead Hotline, it does seem like Matt Painter has a pretty good feel for this team, a pretty good feel for the personalities on this team and sort of how to push their buttons a little bit, motivate them. I mean, even uh, the, the two freshmen in the backcourt, I mean, he, he, he obviously – uh, did the right things with Fletcher Lawyer in the Ohio State game and, and getting him going a little bit then in the second half. But also with, with Braden Smith, too. I mean, looking back to the, the Rutgers game that he does not have his best game, sort of gets called out for it uh, unsolicited uh, in in the post game by Matt Painter. You don't see him do that very often. But obviously he knew the way that his point guard would react to that and reacted in a in a positive way. Now, is Painter going to hit all the right uh, the right buttons the rest of the season? Maybe not. Uh, I think as a coach, sometimes you sometimes you you, you swing and miss. Certainly, you you hope to connect as as often as possible. But as of right now, it seems like he's pushing the right buttons, right? I would also point to another uh, point earlier in the season, Kyle, the the Florida State game uh, when Braden Smith was quite frankly pretty awful the first two minutes of that game. If you remember, he had two straight turnovers to start the game. And he had a blocking foul and an and one. 
They remember, they jumped yeah. into full court pressure, mm-hmm. Brady turned it over, then tried to take a charge, and it ended up being an and one. And so he went to right to the bench. And I don't know what point in the game. It was maybe two, maybe three minutes, maybe three minutes into the game. And David Jenkins Jr. played a lot of that first half. Yeah. Uh, and that certainly got Braden's attention because if I remember correctly, he almost had a triple-double by the time that day was done. I think it was like 13-9-7 and seven or so, somewhere close to that. So, yeah, <laughs> Coach Painter's figured out a way to, to push Braden Smith's buttons uh, no matter uh, what might be the, uh, uh, the situation that's presenting him. But he also give great credit to Braden Smith and a guy, again, who grew up in a basketball family. I mean, his mom was Miss Basketball in the state of Arkansas. When you grow up around it all the time, you have a pretty good feel for what the game is supposed to look like, and you also have a pretty good feel for when you're not playing well and what you need to do to play better. Um, so, yeah, just another another example of, and as you said, look, there's not a coach in the world that's going to always push the right buttons. There will be, there will be, as you said, swings and misses here and there. But for the most part, uh, at least through 16 games in a season, uh, Coach Painter's had a really good feel for the pulse of each individual personality on this team, and and again, for the most part, they've all responded in a, in a positive way. Zach Eady is Big Ten Player of the Week again, the fourth time uh, <laughs> this season. I mean, he has a game, 30 points and 13 rebounds against Penn State, which I, you know, I'm paying attention to the game and, and watching and, and listening and all of that. And, you know, he's got 25 points. You're like, wait a minute, has he? How did he get 25 points already? Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's just incredible what he does. But I, I think one of the one of the most impressive things, Rob, about Zach Eady this year is that a guy at seven foot four, nearly three hundred pounds, has the stamina to go out there and just wear opponents down in the second half. You just do not, you don't see that out of players of his size. Where in the second half of that second half of that Penn State game, and I know the Nittany Lions are undersized, but by the end of that game, Zach Eady was was basically posting up right underneath the basket and, and getting fed the ball and he's just turning around and, and laying it in the basket and it speaks I think to his condition and his stamina his ability to keep fighting to keep fighting when guys are just hanging on him and to wear the opponent out I mean that that to me is just incredibly impressive that he is able to stay on the court that long at his size have players hanging all over him for the whole game but by the last 10 minutes of the, the game he's the one wearing them down it's pretty impressive. And think about when the season started, or at least in October anyway, all the questions surrounding Zach Eady were, can he play extended minutes? Yeah. <laughs> he played 19 minutes a game last year, obviously because Travion Williams was a big part of that team, but he was only playing 19 minutes a game. Now I think, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it's either 11 or 12 games now that Zach has played 30 minutes or more in a game. I mean, what an incredible number. Yeah. Um, but yes, he does seem to get better as the game goes along. Can you imagine being an opposing big guy uh, and not only having to bang up against Zach Eady for the whole game, but knowing that in the second half he's not getting tired, and you probably are. <laughs> he's not. Uh, he seems to be getting stronger as the game goes along, as you pointed out. Yeah, it's, it's quite a testament to his conditioning and his endurance, and quite frankly, just his mental toughness. I think a, part of that, a big part of that also is uh, when guys start to get tired uh, mentally, they do probably check out a little bit. He does not seem to do that. Um, but, yes, he is. I, again, I just think it's so amazing that in October, and I think it was a valid question, by the way. I think any of us that were asking in October, man, can this guy play extended minutes? Because we've never seen it. 
Right. Uh, but he, he's obviously proven all of us that he are uh, wrong because he he can do it and has done it multiple times this year. Uh, Nebraska on Friday, Robin Mackey Arena. I, I think the Cornhuskers are like the perfect example of when you're the front runner, when you're the number one team in the country, when you're the league favorite, you get the opponent's best game. Because mm-hmm. Nebraska yeah. and Lincoln certainly gave Purdue its best game of the season. I mean, you watch the Cornhuskers last night, and you're like, what? This is not the same team that we watched yeah. play against Purdue. It'll be interesting to see what Nebraska brings to Mackey Arena on Friday night because we saw we saw the good side of Nebraska in that overtime win by the Boilermakers, but if you watched any of the game last night, you're just like, okay. <laughs> like, there's not, yeah. They're not I really doing I, anything. It'll be interesting on Friday night. I'm with you, Kyle, because I watched that whole game, even though it got, you know, pretty much a blowout in the last 10 minutes but and also keep in mind Jawan Geary got hurt early in that game for yeah. for Nebraska one of their starters who actually played pretty well against Purdue in that first game so uh who knows if he'll play Friday night but you know it's I totally agree with you yeah, Purdue rolled in there uh, number one in the country and in Nebraska gave their best shot uh, home crowd. It was a great crowd. If you remember, that's the same day they were introducing their new head football mm-hmm. coach. Yeah. Uh, so the crowd was all ramped up for that. They introduced him at halftime, and so it was just an awesome atmosphere. And it was exactly you know you couldn't have drawn it up any better if you're a Nebraska fan. Uh, the way they played against Purdue, and uh, you know a couple things. Purdue had a ten point halftime lead. I mean Purdue, they, they, Nebraska only had twenty four first half points. Yeah. So you really felt like Purdue was going to run away and hide. And that went into Nebraska's credit. They fought all the way back. But I would also say this. Purdue had its worst shooting game of that. I was just looking at the numbers earlier today doing some of my, my prep work for Friday. And, you know, Purdue in that game shot 28%, I think it was, maybe, from, from three. Maybe it was about more like 24%. They were like 39% from the floor. And if you remember, that was a terrible free throw shooting game for Purdue, mm-hmm. 60%. Purdue just couldn't make any free throws. A couple of those were front ends of one-and-ones. So Purdue added to their own misery by just not making open shots in that game. But, yes, that, I, I'm with you. That's the prime example of when you're number one in the country, you are getting everyone's best shot. And, and Nebraska certainly gave Purdue its best shot. And I would also throw this in. Uh, Kasey Tominaga was making just oh crazy shots. I mean, <laughs> shots that this, this guy should not be making. But he was, and to yeah. his credit, man, he was – he was the difference late in the game to force that into overtime because that, he, he was unguardable there those last five minutes or so. Hey, Rob, appreciate the time. As always, have a great uh, game on Friday night, and I will see you on a baseball field right around the corner, I am sure. Thanks, Rob. Okay, see you, Kyle. Thanks. That's Rob Blackman, radio voice of the Boilermakers, joining us on the Blue Fox Heating and Cooling Hammerhead Hotline. Let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk a little bit more hoops. You're listening to the Hammer Down Show, 101.7 The Hammer, 